November 22nd, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, tonight I have to steal a saying from ABC6 legendary anchor Jim Gardner. The big story on Philly Press Box is the 9-1 Eagles and their total beatdown of the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night. Always fun to give a whooping to the boys from Big D. They'll love it, and we're all pretty excited about what could happen with the birds over the next couple of months. Well, and we'll get back to the Eagles a little bit later, but first we'd like to welcome a real special guest tonight, Chet, that is a Philadelphia sports icon, a member of the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, and now in his 45th season as the public address voice of the Flyers, the legendary Lou Nolan. Welcome, Lou. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for the invite. Hey, Lou, it's Chet. You've been in the Flyers organization since the beginning of, uh, you know, the operation in 1967, the PA man since 1972. But this is your first book, so what the heck took you so long? <laughs> Many people have asked me that. I don't know. I just uh, uh, I, I never really worried too much about it. And uh, several, some people have asked me before, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that with a book? And um, I don't know. I uh, I, I guess over over the period of time that I've been with the with the team, uh, you would develop enough stories to fill up a couple of books. So we got some good ones in here, uh, and uh, I'm glad that, uh, and, and proud that it's out there. And Lou, I read the book Monday and Tuesday, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. As I'm sure every Flyers fan will, it was certainly a trip down memory lane. What was the writing process like with you and Sam Carcitti? Well, uh, we met. Uh, over the summer, actually, uh, right right when the season ended, I guess, uh, uh, and uh, probably once a week for a couple of hours, and uh, went through a lot of different concepts and ideas, and uh, Sam formatted it out. We knew uh, what we wanted to do from the standpoint of, of chapters, and uh, you know what we wanted to to put out there, and uh, it uh, it came together uh, very very well. Sam is a very talented guy. I'm fortunate to have him as a as a writer here. Well, Lou, I'm at a little disadvantage because I have not had an opportunity to read the book yet. I'll be getting my book when you visit Carl's Cards here in the next couple of weeks, but Chet's a little ahead of me. So if you would, for <laughs> for those of us that haven't uh, had an opportunity yet, how is the book laid out, and do you cover basically uh, your favorite stories along the way, or, or how, did, how did you guys format it? Yeah, well, basically, uh, you know, how it all began for me uh, starts it out pretty well. Before that, I would say that uh, my good friend Bernie Perrant did the forward, and uh, the, and uh, that was uh, was very nice of him to do that. He speaks pretty well of me, uh, better than uh, better than I do it myself. So uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty good. Uh, we go through a lot of different things, you know, the the, the start of it, uh, the start of the journey, and how it all how it all came together. Um, basically, who are the the uh, the favorites in different categories for me? Uh, and, um, you know, captains, uh, 
um, you know, turning the corner with the franchise, uh, looking for uh, uh, one about goalies, you know, looking for the next Bernie. That's what everybody seems that uh, we want to have. And what, what could you shoot for that wouldn't be better than that? You know, um, and then, uh, you know, who were the leaders, uh, captains, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, first team, second team, defense, offense. And uh, then a few good stories, one about going about Mario Lemieux, a friend of mine there, and down through the years and uh, different things. Uh, uh, recall uh, a lot we wrote about was when uh, uh, World Trade Centers uh, went down. And uh, Bush was on the air. We had an exhibition game that night. And, um, you know, the whole, uh, uh, I think we played a period. And um, he went on. Maybe been two periods, not quite sure. And uh, the players sat, and when they came out, sat and, and listened to him because we had it on the big board. They attempted to transfer it to the other board, the outside TVs, the concourse, but the fans booed, so it came back in. Players watched it, and then they decided that, uh, you know, this was more important than, a hockey game and uh, we didn't play the final part of it, uh, but just um, you know, they actually uh, queued up and shook hands, uh, the Rangers and the Flyers, uh, which think about that. The only time teams shake hands like that in the line is when the, um, you know, during the cup and uh, when someone defeats somebody in a cup series, but it was serious enough that night. And, and with all of us that uh, they queued up and went through a line and, shook hands and gave hugs and it was a tough night a tough night i remember watching i remember it well we should mention the book is called if these walls could talk philadelphia flyers stories from the philadelphia flyers ice locker room and press box lou i know you still love the game today but you admitted in the book that a part of you misses that old time hockey when fighting was a bigger part of the game is that right <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> i um uh, i just think that uh, uh it's uh, such that uh, it's changed a lot, you know. The game has changed, and um, you know we uh, we feel that uh, uh, I don't know the it, it may uh, maybe it's ticky tack. I don't know, you know. It's it's what's what the, the commissioner and the owners want. Uh, we when we won our cups, took advantage of uh, you know the rules and um, uh, worked our way toward it and fought our way toward it and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's just different. It's, I, I, I have a rough time when somebody just taps somebody on the hands and they get a hook uh, or somebody a goal. It's just, it's just tough for me to do that. And I don't know when the last time I saw a good fight was. I, I, I don't know. Not sure. It was probably Radko. Well, well, certainly, Lou, you started out or, or in your early years, uh, we won a couple Stanley Cups, and I guess uh, we kind of felt like that was going to be the norm. But, uh obviously they have to be high up in your, in your memory list. Uh, what we, we didn't do too well since then. No, you're right. We've, uh, we won the cups. It was a long time ago now. Uh, and, uh, May 19th, 1974 was the first one. And, uh, I, in the book, I do say that that is my uh, most prominent memory. Uh, and, um, no surprise to anyone about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we've had a rough time putting it together. We were close a couple times. Uh, you know, uh, we went to uh, uh, the finals in 87 and um, in Edmonton and lost there. And we probably would have won that game uh, if we had not been without uh, Dave Poulin and uh, Tim Kerr. Uh, and then there was the uh, 2010. We all know what happened there. And, uh, you know, uh, 
Michael Leighton is still looking for that puck. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it was difficult when, when the Chicago Blackhawks celebrate on our ice uh, uh, for a long time, well into the night. Uh, difficult. Lou, I know you also have some fond memories of that 1979-80 season when the Flyers had that 35-game unbeaten streak. You know, I forgot that Pete Peters and Phil Meir pretty much split the goaltender duties right down the middle during that streak. Yeah, that was something. I mean, just imagine, you know, going unbeaten for 35 games. Uh, And uh, that was incredible. Uh, Things just fell the right way for us. And, uh, you know, a lot of talent on that team. And... uh, uh, just uh, just the kind of thing that uh, you say to yourself, wow, to be a part of that is just just amazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's 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 part of the whole experience, uh, that whole 35 game streak. Uh, I, I wouldn't say, you know, when someone says, what's your most memorable game? That can't be there. But everyone was there. that was in that streak, uh, <laughs> especially when you when you get to the end of it and you start to get ahead of uh, other pro teams as far as how many uh, in a row you were undefeated. Hey, Lou, uh, I think they were 25-0-10 during that streak, so 10 ties. And you mentioned in the book that you are fine with ties. You said there's nothing wrong with ties. What don't you like about today's shootouts? Uh, I don't believe that uh, individual performances should decide team games. Uh, Just something that's always been with me. I'm not saying they aren't exciting. You know, they are. They're exciting. Uh, You go three-on-three, and, uh, you know, one team has their shot. They win the faceoff, and then, Another team gets it, and they they go back. They change. They come up the ice, and they, you know they take their chance. And um, it, it it just that uh, I I just think that the, the overtime uh, that that should be when it's decided. If it's at the end of overtime, three on three is fine. Uh, and if it's tied at the end of overtime, that's it. You get a point. Yeah, you call. You call the you know, shootout I mean, a freak just, show, and you said they feel gimmicky. A freak show. I like that. Yeah, well, you know, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I just I just don't think that it should be that way. That it should come down to to somebody who is very good at it. It's like uh, T.J. Oshie, uh, uh, you know, up against uh, your team. Maybe you're not very good at it, you know. So there's a disadvantage as a team. Perhaps why they that's what they think. Uh, but you know, the owners and make the rules, and uh, commissioner carries out what the owner wants. So uh, the owners want. So I, it is what it is. We'll deal with it. Yeah, well, I I personally agree with you 100%. For our football's listeners, to me, it's like ending the tie game with field goals. It has nothing to do with the game. You're kicking field goals. Uh, yeah, that's it makes a good no point. Sense. I, I never thought of it like that. That's Yeah, how about that? How about if you said to yourself, okay, so we'll start with a 35-yarder and we'll keep moving back until <laughs> somebody misses it, you know? Right, yeah. uh, right. What the heck? That's, yep. uh, that's a very, very good point. That would upset football people very much. Sure it would. Sure it would. Well, hey, Lou, I wanted to ask you, over the years, <clears throat> Flyer fans um, are about as loyal as they can be, um, even though they let their team know when things aren't necessarily going the way they should. Um, any real fond memories from the Flyer fans uh, that you have? And me personally, I was at that Game 7 against the Rangers that uh, the Flyers ended up winning and moving on uh, on the last game of the regular season. So that that's my highlight as a – in-person flyer fan. Yeah, uh, from the fan point of view, you know, uh, it, 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 it's difficult sometimes to, to think about that uh, simply because, you know, I'm there game in, game out. So, you know, and I'm in the penalty box and, 
and, and so forth. I think that from the standpoint of the fans, it's just a, a, a great opportunity when the, um, uh, the game gets them so excited that they can indeed, uh, you know, express themselves in a special way. And there are special times, you know, like the first game in, in our building was, uh, was, was a great game in the new building. I mean, that was fantastic. Uh, and, um, you know, that was uh, in the World Cup of Hockey. And it was like, wow, they were really lit up because the U.S. won the game. And when J.J. Daniels scored against Quebec, uh, the spectrum went crazy. And, uh, I mean, it's like your headsets just start to ripple. You know, the headsets just uh, – uh, it, it's, it's a difficult thing. So uh, uh, hard for me to pin it down for a fan. But you as a fan, uh, uh, explain it your way, and that makes sense. Everybody's going to have a different game that they felt strong about. So, you know, hey. Hey, Lou, I didn't know this till I read your book, but Ed Snyder, you said, was caught off guard the first time that God Bless America was played instead of the anthem, and that he wasn't a big fan of the decision at first. Uh, this is true. Uh, and um, Lou Scheinfeld, uh, who um, is, is uh, preparing to open the Museum of Sport down in South Philadelphia there, uh, probably yep. in a year and a half or so, uh, is, uh, was a Flyers vice president. And he basically caught the fans uh, feeling, you know, that it was a, uh, they, they didn't have any respect for the anthem, that people were sitting down and, you know, and not bothering and talking during it. So he decided to change it up a little bit. And uh, God Bless America uh, came to life, and then it got its own life. I mean, good Lord, we, we won the game. Uh, Snyder was not happy, but it's good we won the game, <laughs> as Lou will tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, um, you know, it's, it, it, was a, um, uh, it led to an awful lot of good things for us. Uh, Kate in person at the Stanley Cup games, uh, you know, the undefeated streaks that, uh, well, not undefeated, I wouldn't say that, but the record that it had, and I don't even know what that is, but it is fantastic. And so uh, when there were big games, we played the song, and um, the fans uh, collectively uh, helped us win by, by their reaction. Sure did. Well, Lou, <laughs> something that uh, I, I wonder about is you, now we do this every year now where we didn't quite do it, every year there for a long time when you go to prepare to do the flyers hall of fame induction night where you're the master of ceremonies of an event like that from you personally how how fired up do you get i mean i know you've got to be prepared obviously but Mm -hmm. how how nervous and excited do you get when you know that you're going to put a, a number up in the rafters and that that man and his family are there to be part of that well it's a great honor for the person uh, and his family, the player and his family, to be up there. I mean, I can't think of anything else that would be as strongly an honor for the Flyers. And um, one of the things, uh, you know, just with your with your show now, when the, when the light goes on, you you got to be right. you got to be on it. you got to get it done. And when, when you get out, and uh, I'm prepared, first of all. I'm very, very prepared. And um, when I get out there and I look around, there are 20,000 people there. And, you know, you're in a little tuxedo out in the end of a, um, a, a carpet with a dais and so forth, and it's the biggest night for someone. Uh, you, you, you really do get excited. And, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think uh, Jimmy Watson was the last guy we inducted. Uh, before him, it was Eric and John, and they went in together. Uh, so uh, it's, it's been good. 
I do remember one one thing when um, the story about when Hextall was was going in. Um, I have a Hextall stick in my collection, and uh, I brought it in. I brought it in, and he used to clang it against the goalpost all the time. Uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Some goalies do that, but he especially did it. So I had the guys uh, in the ice crew move the goal up, and um, what I, I the stick was on top of it. And one of the things I said to Hexy was, "Hexy, one last time, let's hear you with the goalpost." And he got over there with a big smile and clangity clang, clangity clang, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, it felt really good to make that happen for him. And the fans just cheered. It was it was a wonderful wonderful time. All right, Lou, I got to ask you about this. I worked in radio a long time. Anybody who's worked in radio or around a live microphone has occasionally had a little mishap where they forgot to turn the microphone off. And I think oh, it yeah. happened to you once, at least once, during the big streak in 1980. You forgot that the microphone was on. What happened? Well, first off, I'm glad we were in the, win- in the undefeated streak. Uh, where we in uh, <laughs> uh, a streak the other way, it would have been in the Book of Famous Last Announcements, perhaps. But, um, uh, yeah, I remember turning to uh, John Maurer, who was uh, the timekeeper next to me. And uh, my mic at that point was on a stand rather than the way I use it now. Uh, and um, I turned to him and I said, boy, I looked down the glass. It was a particularly boring game. We were, we were way ahead of Colorado, half a dozen goals maybe. And um, I said, boy, look down against the glass. There's a good-looking blonde down there in the first row. <laughs> so John turns and he looks. And the phone rings, it's Joe Cadillac, uh, PR guy, and he calls and he says, to the left or the right. So you know, what it meant basically was that I told the whole building about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, you're, you're, in, you're in the middle of that streak, so it helps. You get away with it. I love that Good. story. And it could have been a lot, lot worse. You could have said something a whole lot worse, Lou. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, hey, yeah. Lou, what, I have one final question for you. I, I would be yep. remiss not to ask. What was your uh, take? I'll, I'll leave it at that and leave it wide open for you. Uh, during the whole Flyers Russian debacle at the Spectrum way back. Well, uh, first off, uh, I, I took the time to uh, get to know some of those guys. And um, they. Um, uh, uh, just from the standpoint of, uh, of of being with those guys. I mean, that was theoretically one of the best teams of all time. Uh, and um, I worked with that class back in those days. So you were right there and you were with the refs and you knew the officials very, very well because you were talking to them all the time. One official, I think at that point, I think it was Lloyd Gilmore. And, um, you know, when Van Ipp took the guy down, uh, we, uh, you know, uh, they decided they'd go over by their bench, and Lloyd came over. And, you know, one of the things that was talked about was, you know, they're just basically trying to intimidate you. And he said, yeah, sure. He says, give them a minor for delay of the game. And that's, you know, I announced the minor for delay of the game. The fans roared, and uh, the Russian interpreter leaned over and told the coach what just happened. And uh, next thing you know, they're gone. They're gone. And uh, Ed Snyder came down the hallway. Uh, and um, with a redneck, you know, like he did when he was really mad with his head in the air, busted right in their room, said who's in charge, and told them that you guys don't come back, you're not getting any cash because the league had not paid them yet. And uh, sure enough, uh, they came back. They said, uh, give us a second, and then they said, five minutes. You know, we'll be out in five. And they did, and um, next thing you know, Joe Watson scored, I guess. And 
was all downhill for them from there. We uh, hmm. uh, it was a great game, just a great game. Fun to be around those guys. Uh, uh, I I I got a lot of pins from that one, and um, <laughs> met a lot of neat people. You know, Trejack and Boris Mikhailov and people like that. So good fun. And we're still talking about it forty years later. So it, obviously, it was an event. Just like well, hey, Lou, Cups, we, man, we, we're still waiting for another one. That's oh, yeah. right. Well, hey, Lou, we do a segment with all of our first-time visitors we call Fast Five, where Chet basically asks five pretty simple questions. You provide five pretty simple answers. You up for that before we shut it down? Sure, absolutely. All right, Lou, uh, we'll let you uh, get on your way after this. You can watch uh, the Flyers and Islanders tonight. Uh, Fast Five with Lou Nolan. Keep your answers as brief as you can. Number one, Lou, your first game as PA man sitting between the penalty boxes was an exhibition contest in 1972 in which you got a bit wet. What happened? Well, two fellows weren't seeing eye to eye, and the pucks were in a bucket full of ice, and uh, one player threw the puck bucket, and another player crossed, and I happened to be in the middle, and uh, unfortunately, uh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, well, water, water does dry off your suit, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Lou, how cool was it to announce several of the Olympic hockey games in Salt Lake City in 2002? Absolutely outstanding. One of the highlights uh, of my announcing career. My family came out for a few games, and uh, just being part of that whole situation there uh, with the Olympics was amazing. Uh, it was a difficult time because it was uh, – you know, a lot of security and so forth in Salt Lake, but boy, did we have a good time with that. And uh, it was just wonderful, just wonderful being a part of the games there. Oh, yeah. Number three, Lou, sitting between the penalty boxes, you got to talk to lots of players over the last 45 years. And in the book, you named an all chatty team. Who were some of the guys on your all chatty team? Well, let's see if I can remember. All chatty guys uh, uh, would probably include uh, Rob Ray uh, and. Uh, the fridge when he came in once in a while. Uh, and, um, you know, from our team, uh, I guess, uh, Jake Vorchek, although I don't know if I named him or not, he always has something to say. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know who the other guys were, to be honest with you, but, uh, uh, the, the guys that uh, are, uh, uh, often you find, uh, somebody thanking somebody for a fight, you know, which is, uh, it's usually mm-hmm. the, the guys, uh, the chatty guys are normally people that come in a lot. <laughs> and not, not surprisingly, you also mentioned Jeremy Roenick and Keith Jones, who you call the Laugh Riot. Uh, Number Jonesy, four. Jonesy was crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Jonesy. Number four, Lou, what did it mean to you to be inducted into the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame two years ago? Uh, it was an amazing, amazing honor for me. Uh, you know, the kid in Southwest Philly who used to go to the games at the arena, you know, and be a rink rat, uh, found himself. Uh, amongst, uh, you know, uh, uh, people like Chuck Bednarik, whose number I wore when I played football, you know, and, and, and people like that, Dr. J. I mean, how could I possibly be amongst those kind of guys? But uh, it was uh, – it's, it's, it's a great honor, and I will never, ever forget it. My family was there, and it was just wonderful to look out and see them there, and I was very, very proud to, uh, uh, to be inducted. Of course. And finally, Lou, what happened when Ed Snyder invited Donald Trump to Ed's box for a game? Well, I guess Donald got a little too chatty, and Ed asked him to leave. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ed, Ed, Ed is very intense. He would uh, he would always uh, be intense. I know he used to call me when he had a question on things, and uh, uh, you know he had my. I was a, one of the folks on his uh, one of his button button for uh, automatic dial 
So uh, when he needed something, he called me off, and then the headset would go quiet when I said, yes, Ed. Everybody would be quiet on their heads because they wanted to hear what the conversation was going to be like, or at least my end of it. But, uh, yeah, he just uh, asked them to go. <laughs> Very simple. Wow. Ed. Ed was wonderful. Can't say enough. Yeah. Was, what a wonderful guy he was. All right. Great job with Fast Five, Lou. Hey, Lou, Thanks. before we let you go, uh, you've got your book going out, you know, is out. You're doing signings. You're going to be at Carl's Cards here shortly. Can you give the listeners a real quick rundown on some other places they make a catch up with you if they can't catch you at Carl's? Yeah, I would say uh, Barnes & Nobles are the uh, the best bet, too. Uh, same and off either. I don't have that list with me, but I would say to you, if, uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, you can look up uh, uh, the website, Lou Nolan, PA announcer. Fires PA announcer, and, and they're all on there. Uh, and um, uh, it's uh, it's a situation where uh, uh, they're coming at us so fast. Uh, <laughs> we're wondering, <laughs> we got to keep our sanity and know where we're supposed to be the next day. So uh, it's been a good thing. Uh, but Barnes and Nobles has them, and um, I would say Amazon too. If uh, like a friend of mine from Saskatchewan asked me today uh, if he, I were going to be there to do a, uh, a signing, I said, <laughs> send me the book. <laughs> <laughs> I said I love you. Uh, no, no Saskatchewan. <laughs> that would be fun. All right. Well, hey, Thank Lou, you, Lou. we appreciate you stopping by, and uh, great, you know, good luck with the book. Great stories. I can't wait to read it myself, and uh, maybe we can talk about it some more later. I'd love to, and uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. All right, Lou. All thank right. you. Okay. Bye, bye. Bill, the holidays are here, and uh, we want you to be sure to put the Irish Rover Station House on your Black Friday shopping schedule. Stop in between 10 a.m. and noon on Friday, and if you purchase a $50 gift card, you'll get a $10 gift card free. The Irish Rover, a family-friendly bar and restaurant, has T-shirts, sweatshirts, and gift baskets, too. And Carolyn's famous Bloody Mary bar will be open. And Tuesday evening, the 28th, for one night only, the Irish Rover opens its doors to its favorite vendors for a night of holiday shopping. Grab your friends and a cocktail. The Irish Rover is closed Thanksgiving Day, but stop in Friday morning for the gift card sale Tuesday night for some holiday shopping. And, of course, watch the Eagles beat the Bears there this Sunday. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. And now as a huge ACDC fan, I got to say rest in peace Malcolm Young. Well, hey Chet, speaking of uh that, what about the Eagles? Let's talk some Eagles and what about the second half? They put a beat down on the Cowboys, a clinic, as I was saying. Were you nervous at halftime that this wasn't going to go to Bird's way? You know, that is the funny thing about this Eagles team and this season and the impact on fans, Bill. No, I wasn't nervous. This year's Bird's team just seems to be so focused, so disciplined, that I was confident that it would you know, work itself out, that they would just take over in the second half, and that is exactly what happened. As I wrote on our website a couple of weeks back, this Eagles team hasn't played a clunker of a game all season. I mean, a bad quarter here and there, a couple of bad halves, like Sunday's first 30 minutes, but never an entire game where they looked like an inferior team. I just have a very good feeling about Dougie P's squad, especially with the season Carson Wentz is having. And something that I know you like, and that would be the way they're dominating in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's really why I was not nervous in this game either. Uh, because the fact the the offense was sputtering a bit, 
but the defense was not giving up touchdowns. And they were giving up field goals, and, you know, 9-7, you knew you didn't play well. Uh, the the run-pass ratio was off balance. I think it was eight to eight runs, the 18 passes there in the uh, in the first half. Uh, you know, it seemed like it was going to get settled. The Eagles were making turnovers. The defense was creating havoc in the backfield for the Cowboys. Uh, I wasn't worried one bit. Now, I will say this. I didn't expect it to be 30 to nothing, but I wasn't no. nervous about it. No, they just put it all together, and, you know, we got the Bears coming up. Should be a win. We'll talk about that when we make our picks in a little bit. Um, then you got the two games out west. I think they can win both of those games at Seattle and at the L.A. Rams. They'll probably be favored for sure against the Rams. The Seahawks game could be a pick em. We'll see. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the next six weeks plays out. Yeah, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, it all comes back, obviously, to winning in the trenches like we're talking about. But, uh you know, I think the reason that there's not a clunker is that Carson Wentz is not going to let there be a clunker. He's going to keep making some sort of play. And in this particular case, that third down and uh, one pass to Selleck was a huge play that uh, took, some, took some chance by the Eagles to make that play call, but well executed. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they're just doing what they have to do to win. And, you know, Wentz's numbers, once again, were nothing special, but he just did what he had to do, made the throws he had to make, threw it away when necessary. Um, he's just looking very smart out there. Yeah, and and you can't say enough about the addition of Jay Ajayi. Um, and how about Wendell Smallwood? What was it probably four weeks ago, five weeks ago? He was the starting running back, and now he's inactive. Yeah, uh, he's like number five on the on the list, I guess. But they used the four guys in front of him, you know, all effectively. They used Clement on the kick returns, and then he scored a touchdown. Or no, I guess Barner that was. Uh, they used him to score a touchdown. Clement's been playing both special teams and getting, you know, a couple of series here and there. They're just really mixing up the guys well, and not one of them is complaining that they're not getting enough carries. I just love this team's mindset. Uh, winning will do that for sure, and uh, I'm I'm excited about it. Like I say, uh, as I always say, I try to keep a pretty even keel. I'm not, you know, talking about Super Bowl parades like some of our listeners are, quite yet. But uh, it, there's certainly been a, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I'm starting to think about uh, you know making some plans in January and maybe early February, but. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself either. I want to keep it one game at a time, but it's just tough to do because they're playing so darn good right now. Well, and yeah, and what what you don't want to do is you don't want to get to a point that uh, let, let's hope that this doesn't happen, but let's hypothetically for our conversation say you go out and you lose to the Rams and you turn around and you lose to the Seahawks. Well, you know what? It's not the end of the world. Even at that, you're going to be, uh, what would you be, 10-3. and three. You're, you're still in the driver's seat. Um, but, but, you know, the people will probably, you know, start pulling their hair out. You're not going to win every single yeah. one, I don't think. No, some people have that theory that a loss would help them, a loss in a, an important game. Um, just, you know, for the mindset of, hey, we got to play a little better. You know, if you coast to the end, you think maybe you're world beaters. I don't know if I prescribe to that theory, but it's interesting. Some people do say that one loss wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've coached a long time and I played a little bit. 
Never is a loss good for you. Never. That's <laughs> not what you go there for. That's not what you go for, to go there for. I'm, I'm never taking any good out of a loss. One them all. I hear music. I hear music. There you go. It's time to welcome our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to the show. Fred, welcome back. What's going on, guys? Can you can you hear me okay? I'm at the uh, the Sixers game. Trust trust in the process tonight. Oh, there you go. Say you always have something going on. Yeah, we're. Uh, I left. I left. We had a little dinner table. I left my. Uh, oh, it's still weird saying it. My wife at the table, but she's like, <laughs> I got to stop with beer. So we're good. We got some time here. All right. Nice. Well, hey, let's go ahead. Let's jump right into it. Give us the who's in, who's out for this week, and we'll get our picks, and we'll let you get back to the process. All right, cool. Um, so this week, basically, the the star one sit ones. We had another injury, real quick. The Redskins lost um, Chris Thompson for the year, so Samaje Perrine's a, a big pickup if if you can pick him up this week. But as far as who to start and who to sit, um, my quarterback that I'm going to start this week, he's. He's pretty much on fire. It's going to be Russell Wilson. He's facing the 49ers. They give up 22 points a game. He's he's a must start as he as he's rising up the uh, the quarterback. So I think he actually took one overall in fantasy point wise as a quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and sit Dak Prescott. He's not the same quarterback without a running game and without Zeke. And um, the last two weeks, I think he has a he's averaging six. Fantasy points. I know he has zero touchdown passes and about six turnovers. So sit Dak Prescott. Uh, I probably wouldn't play him again until he shows he can be a quarterback um, without with, with, with without the running game. Uh, at running back, I'm going to start Todd Gurley. He hasn't had a hundred yard rushing game since week seven. Saints gave up 136 last week. I think he'll have a have a nice day against the Saints in a, in a high scoring game. I'm going to sit Amir Abdullah on Thanksgiving against the Vikings. Um, he's had 10-plus in PPR leagues three weeks in a row, but um, I'll sit him against the Vikings in that defense. Going to go ahead and start Alshon Jeffrey at the wide receiver position against the Bears. He's facing his old team, and he's had uh, three weeks in a row with 18 points or above, and it seems like him and Carson are starting to find a chemistry that he can return to more of the form that he was when he was with Chicago. I'm going to sit Marvin Jones Jr., the Detroit Lions. He's had 18-plus points in four of his last five games in, in PPR leagues. But, again, it's much like Abdullah, um, I'm going to sit him against that Vikings defense, even though it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to start Evan Ingram at the tight end position. He's only had one catch nine yards last week, but he'll have a big week against the Redskins. Uh, sit Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's a solid tight end, but he's facing a bad matchup with the Panthers. They're ranked uh, sixth against tight ends. Uh, for the defenses, go ahead and start the Jaguars. It's kind of a gimme. They're, they're a great D, but they're facing Blaine Gabbert, so they should definitely put up at least 10, if not 20 points plus. And then a good defense that I'm going to sit this week is the Rams. Um, if you stop stop the run against the Saints, it looks like you might be able to stop them, but it's going to be really hard to stop the run. I don't, I don't think the Rams will. So I'd sit them this week. And then at the kicker position, I'm going to start Phil Dawson um, at home versus Jacksonville. And then I'll sit Steve Hoska on the road, Steve Hoska of the Buffalo Bills on the road against the Chiefs. So that's my uh, start one, sit one for this week. And you can see uh, tomorrow morning, since it's Thanksgiving, a more thorough, um, I guess, explanation of each one on fredandbutter.com. 
All Sounds right. good. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's get to our picks for the week. Uh, but, Chet, how did we do last week? We all had the same picks, right? So uh, the Giants pulled off an upset. So what were you all two and one? Yeah, we did all have the same picks, and we were 2-1. and one. I still can't figure out how the Chiefs lost to the Giants, but it did happen. For the season, Bill, you are 24-10. and 10. Fred is 22-12, and 12, two games back still, and I'm still three off the pace at 21-13. and 13. And, hey, guys, in addition to the three NFC East games on our slate this week, I'm going to have us uh, pick one more bonus game, a fourth game, because it's an important one for the Eagles' fate. That would be New Orleans at the L.A. Rams with the Rams favored by two and a half. Mm, okay. All right. You're just trying to make up games any way you can because you get the spanking. Exactly. But that's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's get to the NFC East. Uh, two of the three games are on Thursday. Everybody plays Thursday except the Eagles. So let's start with Chargers at the Cowboys before Turkey. That's the 4 o'clock game. Chargers minus two and a half, Fred. Oh, I love it. I love that this this team is not the same without Zeke. They're not the same without a line. I, I'm not sure if Tyron Smith is playing or not, but I'm taking the Chargers. I have Phillip Rivers in fantasy. I, I'm taking the Chargers to win this one. Dallas is going to ride into the ground. Yeah, Dallas got embarrassed Sunday night, of course, courtesy of the Eagles. And this is a short turnaround for them, but it is the fifth road contest in seven games for the Chargers. Even with Phillip Rivers and company favored slightly, the logical pick, I think, would be the Cowboys. But you know what? I just can't bring myself to pick them here on Thanksgiving. So I'm going to take a flyer on the Chargers, pulling one out in Big D. L.A. Chargers to win. Well, I'm going to give you guys a chance to make one up on me. Um, I'm going to go for the same reason that I said last week, even though I couldn't bring myself to pick the Giants because they stink. But there's that professional pride, and that's why the Giants were able to beat the Chiefs, and that's why the Cowboys are not going to get embarrassed on national TV this Thursday like they did on Sunday. I'm going to take Dallas to win. I'm not sure how, but they're going to win this game. All right, next. All right, Giants are at the Redskins after Turkey. It's the night game. Redskins minus seven, Fred. The Giants in that ugly game against the Chiefs. I, I, again, I don't know how they won either, but um, they're, I don't. Seven point spread. Redskins at home. Um, I'm going to take the Redskins to win this one. Uh, it, may, it may be a little closer than a seven point spread. The Giants may cover, but um, I'm taking the Skins. Yeah, the Giants have their two wins against the AFC West this season. Go figure. The Redskins are in the NFC East. I got to go with Washington here. Redskins for the win. Oh, me too. Giants still stink. I don't care if they beat the Chiefs or not. They still stink. I'm going Redskins. And that brings us to the Eagles, back to Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday to host the Bears. This is an awful lot of points if I was a better. My Eagles minus 13 and a half. At this point, I, I, until they prove me differently, I, I don't know how you, you, you can pick against the Eagles. You'd just be just, – it had to be a hunch, so – I'm going to take the Eagles. I think it might be a little little closer this week. The Bears' defense isn't bad, and they do have a, a running game somewhat. So we'll see what happens, but I'm taking the Eagles. No letdown for the Birds. Don't buy the trap game stuff. No worries. Birds win this one. I'm saying 31-17. Well, I'm taking the Eagles, and I had written my point, my point uh, score down 
before I really thought much about the 13 and a half. I have 34-17 Eagles, so I guess they would cover the 13 and a half. But if it was my money I was throwing out there, not quite so sure I'd do that. But I'm going Eagles, and I think it'll, they're going to handle the Bears quite easily. Now we got that All bonus right, well, game. Hey, what's that? Bonus game. New Orleans at the L.A. Oh. Rams. Rams minus two and a half. Bonus game. Saints. Rams. Saints in the over. That's <laughs> at the Rams. Right? Are you going with New Orleans? That's the Rams. Yeah, it is. Uh, that Saints Ram game really interesting, and I guess it would help the Eagles to have the Rams win, since the Saints have just two losses. But you know what? The Saints are on a roll. They're four and one on the road. They have the edge and experience. I'm going to take the underdog Saints to win this game. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Saints as well, and I'm and I'm going to hang my hat on Drew Brees uh, in this game. He's uh, he's playing real well, and uh, if the game is close, he's certainly a money man. I'll, I'll go Saints and go Drew Brees in that game. Now, for you to extend your lead on us, Bill, you're going to have to root for the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. How does that make you feel? Oh, I'm not going to root for him. I probably uh, – <laughs> no, I won't, I won't root for him. Good. But Good. I'm I won't tell you who's going to win. I'm not going to root for okay. him, that's for sure. <laughs> well, right. Hey, Fred, before we let you get away – I saw you insert yourself into a Twitter match between Howard Eskin and Cowboys receiver Cole Beasley. Tell us real quick how that came about and how is it now? Has it ended or what? And uh, how did you get in the middle of it? I just jumped in and I think Howard liked or retweeted. Howard actually tweet, he tweeted me the other day. I, I couldn't couldn't believe that, but uh, or retweeted my tweet, something like that. But anyway, uh, Howard basically told Cole Beasley, he just tweeted something in reference to Dak Prescott um, not being as good of a quarterback without Zeke L.A. or the running game. He's just an average quarterback. And Cole Beasley responded to him saying, that's my quarterback. Something along the lines of that being that my quarterback. So they went back and forth. And then uh, Eskin, after they lost, threw a tweet out of a picture of like a, a father and a son. And then he took the father's face and put his head and then took the little son's face and put Cole Beasley's head and was like, hey, at Cole Beasley, who's your daddy? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, so, all right. And you got in the middle of that. Good deal. <laughs> all right, Frable. Hey, enjoy the process tonight. Get back to your new bride, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for letting me on the show. I really love it. All right? Uh, all right. Thank you, Fred. Talk to you, Fred. Hey, Chet, let's talk. The list of semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame was announced just yesterday, and as you know, Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens are on the list of 27. Now, that list goes down to 15, then goes to 10, and ultimately just five are selected. Is this the year for B-Doc and T.O. to get the call? Boy, that's going to be interesting. Lots of great names on there. It's always a guessing game when it comes to safeties, even great ones like B-Doc. T.O. probably annoyed some people with his comments last year when he didn't make the final cut. You know, I think they're absolutely positively both deserving, but will they get in? I'm not ready to make a prediction. I honestly don't know just yet. What do you say? I don't know. You know, you look at this list, and I think, first of all, the list of five goes to a list of three right off the bat. Ray Lewis is in. Randy Moss is in. Then I think you've got 25 guys and you've got three spots. And there are some really, really good football players on this list. Uh, guys that showed up like Edron James. Edron James and, and Roger Craig, I believe, looking at this quickly, are the only two running backs 
that are even on this list now. And Edron James is a Hall of Famer at some point. Um, you know, you got all these linemen that have been on this list for quite a while, Baselli, Fanica, uh, Jacoby. These guys are great players. So at some point, these guys keep showing up. They've got to get in. Um, and then, of course, there's still the John Lynch argument versus Brian Dawkins. So I, I think Dawkins, I, I like his chances better, uh, but it's not a lock. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not ready yet to name my potential final five, so let's wait till they knock it down to 15, which I believe happens the first week of January. So we'll talk again at that point and try to pick our final five or so. But quickly, what about your idol, a senior's finalist for a second time, Jerry Kramer? Oh, I certainly think this is Jerry's year. I sure hope it is. If it, if it isn't, it never will be. And uh, you know I'm rooting for him, that's for sure. Yep, I hope he gets in too. And, and Ray Diddy's rooting for him, and so we, we know Ray's yep. got it going on. Absolutely. All right. Well, Chet, that's good stuff. We'll, we will get that back to that. And I'll tell you what, cutting that list down is going to be very difficult because there are 27 really, really good football players on that list. Mm-hmm. You know it. All right. Well, hey, Chet, random thoughts. Uh, it's that time again. Last week's uh, listeners seemed to like you, see you squirm a little on that hot seat. So we're going to do it again tonight. You ready? No, wait a second. Let me interrupt you. Who said they like it? I need proof. Well, <laughs> do you need me to share all of my uh, private messages with you? <laughs> no, I don't think I want to see those, no. No, I don't think you do. But I can tell you, people uh, people like seeing you uh, on the hot seat a little bit. I'm squirming right now. All right, 30-second answers. You ready? Ready. Robert Covington, four-year, $62 million contract extension for the Sixers. I like Rocco. I like him a lot. And the money sounds like a lot, but that's today's NBA. You know, you can do a few things on the court, help your team win. You're going to get uh, a double-digit per year contract. So four years, $62 million, sounds about right. The guy can shoot. He's helping the team win. They're playing better than we expected. Uh, I'm all for it. Ooh, a lot of money. Yeah. Sixers 9-7. and seven. Um, You ready to revise that win total yet? I'm not ready to, but, I mean, if I were pressed to, I certainly would. I said 43 wins, and you questioned that. They're certainly going to get 43, I think. I mean, you know, we still have to hope that Embiid stays healthy the whole year. He's already complained of a little bit of knee pain, missed two games so far this year. Um, if I was, were pressed to do so, I would revise it to maybe 45 or 46, but I'm sticking with my original prediction, 43. Remember, I said they were going to be like 13 and 20 at Christmas and then go on a tear after that. They're already 9 and 7, so they're, they're looking good. Well, I'm going to hit you up on that here before we're through with the show, too. We're going to go back and take, a, take another minute on this Sixers before we finish up. All right, Eagles, first-team Pro Bowlers. I have seven. Wow. You know what? I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. Um, Carson Wentz, for sure. Zach Ertz, a good possibility. Fletcher Cox, yes. Um, I'm going to say Malcolm Jenkins. That would be four. No running backs. I'm going to put Lane Johnson in there. How's that? Lane Johnson makes five. Um, none of the wide receivers. Um, I'm going to stick with those five right there. Who am I missing? I'm going to go with Jason Kelsey. 
I had really? I had the same five as you. I also had Jason Kelsey in there playing pro ball wow. level. And I am going to take a little bit of a reach on this one, but I am going to like Nigel Branham. He's well, under Branham's the radar, but he's really playing, playing extremely well. So I'm going to go full on the offense. Uh, for the offense, two up front, Kelsey and Johnson. And actually, I had Kelsey before Johnson, but Johnson is just coming on here in the last handful of games and just dominating. So I added Johnson. Ertz, I believe, is in. Wentz, and then I'll go one on each level of the defense. Jenkins, Cox, and Branham. Well, you know, Branham certainly has the... I guess the potential to be there. I just don't know he's going to get the support. Brandon Graham a possibility, too. So they could have a bunch. Well, and Jernigan, too. I mean, they've, they've all played pretty well. And, and uh, yeah. the defensive backs are all are all playing well. So, I mean, you know you know how this thing is. It always works a year behind. So Malcolm Jenkins will be the one that will get it out of those DBs, even if he's not the one playing the best. I think we're over our 30 seconds on that one. All right. Claude Giroux. <laughs> I haven't watched enough hockey to really give a fair assessment. I know he and the rest of the guys on the top line started off strong this year, certainly a better start than last year. But uh, I guess he's doing okay, but he's tailed off a bit lately like the whole team has. They've lost, what, five out of six? They just need more scoring from a lot of people. Dave Hackstall. Boy, I like Dave Haxtall, and I was all for you know him after year one when they made the playoffs, surprising a lot of people. They missed out last year. I thought with the infusion of young talent this year that they'd be back in the playoffs. Right now, they're looking like they're going to be on the outside looking in, and if that's the case, Dave Haxtall will certainly be on the hot seat. Yeah, I think it might be sooner rather than later, too. They better get it turned yeah. around pretty quick. All right, hey, Chet, I hit you with a couple random thoughts on the Sixers, but this team, as we said, is now 9-7 and seven at a time and a schedule that was thought to be the most difficult. Um, what do you think? I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I mean, that tandem, Embiid and Simmons, is going to be a thing to watch, a thing of beauty for the next 10 years, hopefully, maybe even longer. Um, again, it comes down to the health of Embiid, but they are just fun to watch. They're getting contributions from a lot of other guys, like the aforementioned Robert Covington. Reddick's been off and on. Um, Amir Johnson playing some good defense off the bench. Uh, T.J. McConnell coming in to play, you know, his 15, 20 minutes a night looking good. I just think this team is going to be exciting. I'm guaranteeing you a playoff spot, okay? I said a fifth seed and 43 wins. I don't know if I'm going to be right on either count, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be a playoff team. And assuming that they are healthy and playing well come April, they could steal a round or two. Mm, now we're going deep into the playoffs. All right. And now, maybe, you, maybe. You are probably a little more tolerant about this than I am, being that I coached a long time. Uh, how do you feel about Joel Embiid and doing a, doing a little bit of showboating out there, whether it's to the fans, the players, or whoever? You good with that? Well, this will surprise you, but I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I think he goes overboard. I mean, he's certainly a fun guy. He's a character. But I don't really like the, you know, putting the arms out to get the crowd going. I don't like taunting. I think he taunts opponents a little too much. There, then there's the social media stuff. I think he should really tone it down just a little bit. I mean, he's a great player, certainly, but keep in mind he's only played, what, 50 games in his life in the NBA? 
So I think he should back off a little bit. Well, you know what, Chet? That's why we do this show, just so you could surprise me, because that one surprises me. Yep, I mean it, too. Uh, there you go. All right. Well, hey, Chet, a legendary guest tonight with Lou Nolan. Man, that was awesome. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, first of all, speaking of Lou, yeah, I had about 20 more questions written down that I could have asked Me him. Me too. Having read the book, you know, helped. There's just so much we could talk about. We could have talked about the parades. We could have talked more about Ed Snyder, about the goaltender search. Like I said, we just couldn't get to everything in 20 or 25 minutes. So I would love to have Lou on once again. What a great guy and definitely a book that you will enjoy, Bill. As for next week, believe it or not, I'm not ready to announce anything because – I reached out to one guy who I thought would be a surefire lock for next week, but he has not gotten back to me as yet. So we're going to have to wait. I do have a guest for two weeks from now, but we'll save that for next week. Okay. And, Chet, hey, uh, speaking of books, I wanted to toss out that on our website, thephillyprestboxradio.com, we've got uh, Kevin Riley's uh, link to his book that he's been uh, selling and and doing real well and doing some – uh, public signings at schools and things like that. He's not out in, you know, like at Carl's or any place like that right yet, or, or bookstores, but he's doing things having to do with kids. So uh, Tackling Life, uh, you can click on the link on our website. It'll take you over to Amazon, and you can order that for Christmas, and uh, they're they're selling pretty good. I talked with Kevin a couple of days ago, and things are going really well with that. So one yeah, of the that that was there. He's getting great reaction to that, and we're happy to see that because he's a good friend of the show, and uh, we're very happy for him. And Lou's book is called If These Walls Could Talk, Philadelphia Flyers. He and Sam Carcitti wrote it, and I do recommend it. I'm going to write something about that and put it on our website, too, very soon. Awesome. All right. Wait, before we get to our party shots, Chet, let's take a minute and wish all of our listeners a happy Thanksgiving, and also to you and your family as well, Mr. Chesko. Yeah, absolutely. Same to you and yours. And by the way, uh, giving thanks happens to be the topic of my parting shot, which I'll get to in a minute. But one other thing while we have a moment, uh, we are currently running our first ever sale with our awesome Philly Press Box Radio polo shirts. Instead of 25 bucks, they are $20. And 2X or larger, usually $28, are just 23 bucks. That's now through the end of Thanksgiving weekend, so this Sunday. Order one for yourself, for a friend who loves Philly sports, or for a Cowboys fan just to piss him off. Why not? Uh, I don't know. You can order through our website by checking out the ad and then responding to the story version of the ad or hitting the Contact Us tab on our website or emailing us on Facebook if you're one of our Facebook pals. Send your payment, and then you will have the shirt in time for Christmas or Hanukkah. And we are trying to place that order when? What's the deadline on that? I want to place the order on Monday. That's why we have the sale this week through Sunday night, and then I will place the order on Monday, and uh, we'll have the shirts by hopefully around December 10th. Okay. All right. Speaking of parting shots, Chet, I do not have one tonight, so I am going to let you do yours and talk about Thanksgiving. I'm ready. As we do our weekly Philly Press Box Radio show, number 160, by the way, this week, it is Thanksgiving Eve, so it's a good time to send out a few thank yous. First off, thank you, Reese Hoskins, for turning a largely forgettable Philly season into a reason to watch in August and September. Thank you, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, for giving us signs that our four-year trust in a so-called process might actually pay off. 
Thank you, Howie Roseman, for all of the wheeling and dealing that made the Eagles a legitimate Super Bowl contender. On a related note, a big thank you to the Cleveland Browns for deciding 19 months ago that Carson Wentz wasn't a guy that could help your sorry franchise. Well, guess what? You're 1-25 since that decision. Again, thank you, Cleveland. A special thank you to Ray Dinger, Glenn Macknow, Merrill Reese, Tom Moore, Leslie Goodell, Kevin Riley, Fred Barnett, Brandon Lee Gowton, Jason Stark, Mike Kern, Mike Sealski, D. Lynham, Bill Meltzer, Ken Dunnick, Steve Jones, Andrew Callista, Bill Bradley, Frank Fitzpatrick, Carl Henderson, and the many other amazing guests we've had in recent months. None of you needs to come on our little show, yet you've all done so multiple times in many cases. We do appreciate it. Thank you to Bill and Fred, of course. And, you know, just for all you guys do every week. And, of course, thanks to our listeners and everyone who checks out our website. We wouldn't have a reason to do all this if it weren't for all of you. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. All right. Thank you. Couldn't second on everything you said. Chet, one last comment before we shut it down. Rumor out today, Chase Utley being considered as a Phillies bench coach for 2018. You buying or selling? If that's the real deal, heck, yeah, I would take him. I mean, I'm pretty sure his playing career is over after the way his postseason went. Um, obviously, the guy knows baseball. He's focused. He's committed. He likes to win. Um, I'd be fine with it. I would love to see it, to be honest. All right. Well, we'll have to watch how that plays out. That's fresh off the press here this afternoon, so obviously going to be a lot more uh, come out on that uh, very soon. All right, Chet, with that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Lou Nolan, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 29th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. Happy Thanksgiving, high hopes Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds!